Arizona's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling and a very warm hello from an increasingly very warm desert. We are getting so close to the hairdryer days now. You know, the days where the wind blows and instead of it being a kind of nice cooling breeze, it feels like someone has put a hairdryer on the highest heat and then turned it on full blast an inch from your face. (laughs) Those days are coming. Which of course means that yours and my favourites are back. Oh yeah, the scorpions. And boy, are they back. More on that to follow. But a little bit of a different one for this episode, as I really wanted to share with you the incredible experience I had in London at the end of April. Because, well... I ran a very long way, (laughs) as I'm sure you're aware. Since being um, kind of, quote, gently persuaded by Mel and Holly from Her Spirit, an amazing organisation that encourages women to get fit and active, I really recommend getting involved with them very much. It totally changed my life, really. I'd been... um, Sticking, though, to my training since that gentle persuasion. And who knew? It's quite a lot of training for a marathon. (laughs) I do remember after a month or so running seven miles and thinking, wow, I never thought I'd be able to run seven miles. And then in the same breath thinking, how on earth am I ever going to run an extra 19.2 miles on top of that? It is just mind boggling numbers. And I do remember Dave turning to me at the time and saying, lucky you don't have to do it tomorrow then, eh? And he was right. And I think that was the moral of the whole exercise. It is a real exercise in faith, actually. You don't know if you're going to be able to do the thing that you want to do, but you just have to keep moving forward, one foot in front of another. I mean, literally, and trusting that even though you don't know if you will ever be able to make it until the time comes, all you can do is give it your best shot. And it reminded me of our move over here, actually, when I really didn't know if all the puzzle pieces were ever going to fall into place, but I had to cut ties and make bold, irrevocable decisions anyway in order just to move forward. It was such scary stuff. And as an aside, this weekend marks four years, four years since we arrived here in Phoenix, Arizona. Four years since Laptop Man. Four years since the pets jetting in. Four years. It's just gone in an absolute flash. Life, eh? Really is over before you know it. But back to the running. And as I said, I did follow my training plan to the absolute letter. My longest run before the marathon was a couple of weeks before the race. And I did 18 miles in 32 degree heat. I'm not going to lie. It was horrendous. Nothing. I had nothing left in the tank. I had to run into a drugstore lobby twice just to be in the aircon for 30 seconds because it was unbearably hot. Had to run in and get extra water four times. I must have drunk about five litres of water. It was genuinely awful. And as I said, when I got home, I mean, there was nothing, nothing left in the tank whatsoever. I mean, yeah, I've run 18 miles, I was thinking, but where in the holy heck do I find another 8.2 miles from? 8.2 miles? That's quite a long way that I would still have to go. A friend of mine did say to me, look, you've done 18, you've done it in that heat. The next eight miles, the crowd will carry you through again. I never experienced it. So I was like, will they? Will they really? 8.2 miles, quite a long way to run. So it was kind of with that enormous question mark hanging over me 
that I got on the plane to London for the second time in a month. Madness. Didn't sleep as much as I would have liked on that flight. I was so, so nervous. And I arrived in London and immediately schlepped all the way from Heathrow on the Elizabeth Line to XL in East London to pick up my race number. Wow, what an atmosphere. What an atmosphere there was in there. Have a little listen to this. The music was so loud, it was like a full-on rave going on. It was just electric. And I was immediately sucked in by the vibe, but I bought several pairs of London Marathon socks and a London Marathon t-shirt, and I had to restrain myself from buying all the merchandise. It's a bit like when you go to a concert and you have to say, no, I do not need, nor do I have the money for, an Elton John bomber jacket that I will never wear, but I'm very attracted to right now because I'm at a gig. Another really weird thing happened at XL. My knee started really hurting me. I was always limping at one point. Ignore it, my lovely friend Rose said, who I met up with at the show. It is just maranoia. What's that? <laughs> I asked him. Is it a kind of ligament? <laughs> he looked at me laughing and went, no, maranoia. It's just paranoia about the marathon. <laughs> I wasn't feeling the sharpest tool in the box at the time. So I got over myself and then carried on my mammoth journey to South East London, where I was staying with my sister-in-law. Now, the next couple of days were just a haze of massive nerves and anticipation. It also felt just really unreal. Am I really going to do this? Is this really happening? On the day of the marathon, I was awake from 2am till 6am. Oh, good. Don't worry, Holly from Her Spirit had told me. Your body will carry me through. I really hope so, was all I could think. My sister-in-law and nephew came with me to the gates of Greenwich Park and as I said goodbye and walked up the hill to the start line, I just cried and cried and cried. Thankfully, or not, it was raining. I then spent the next hour standing in said rain, half under a tree, waiting for my wave to start. I remember thinking, oh great. I'm soaking wet and now I've got to run 26.2 miles. A little bit different to my desert training though. I cannot tell you the absolute fear that coursed through my body as our wave opened and we moseyed down to the start line. People had been chatting and joking and now everyone was really quiet and oof, I was just so scared. Have a little bit of a listen to this because I recorded this just as I crossed the start line in Greenwich. Now, I had no idea that I was muttering this until I listened back to it. But if you listen carefully, you can hear me saying, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. I'd heard about the London Marathon crowds and for the first four miles or so, there were loads of groups of people being really encouraging, waving, smiling. Come on, Sam, because you have your name on your top. Large groups of South London teenagers shouting, come on, sis, and you've got this girl, while furiously smoking by the side of the road really made me smile. My first big surge of joy came at mile five and a half when I saw my old friend Ben. Hooray! Go, Sam! 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 Go
My sister-in-law then screamed out my name just as I got to Cutty Sark at mile six, giving me another massive boost. And at that point, wow, that's when everything changed. The crowds, despite the drizzle, tripled in size and they were just screaming. The best of humanity, just rooting for you. Have a listen to Greenwich Town Centre. Listen to the people just shouting my name. I cannot begin to tell you what it feels like to run through the streets of that amazing city with people who do not know you from Adam. They've never met you. They have no idea why you're running. They have no idea about your story, but they're really, really invested in getting you round that course. I'm not talking about people giving you a friendly wave and a quick, well done. I'm talking about people leaning over the railings, reaching out to you and screaming, come on, Sam, come on, you can do it. I mean, really, really giving it their all to give you that energy to get you around. It is bloody amazing. It's amazing. Brilliantly, (laughs) around mile eight, there was a super posh man stood on the side of the road very sweetly and very earnestly jeeing everyone along, clapping heartily and saying, really, very, very good show. I mean, just really well done to you. It's marvellous what you're doing. Bloody great. All of the characters were London were out there. It was brilliant. And the banners, I lost count of the number of ones that read, you're running better than the government. (laughs) And you're running faster than my energy bill. And that's saying something. It was just the best of British humour as well. Fantastic. Mile 10 was suddenly upon me. And then the next thing you know, I turned the corner in Bermondsey and there was Tower Bridge. I actually screamed when I saw it. I hadn't known where I was. I was just head down, plod, plod, plod. And then there it was. And I'd remembered three weeks before sitting on a train, crossing another bridge in London and seeing Tower Bridge and thinking, blimey, I'm going to be running over that soon. But I had not for a second thought that running over that bridge would be one of the best experiences in my entire life. I feel emotional now just thinking about it. I wish I could do it again. Oh, it's magic. Here I am then running over Tower Bridge and listen to that crowd. And again, I had no idea I was saying this, but you can hear me amongst the screams going, oh my God. It was just incredible. Suddenly, I was at mile 13.1 and I remember thinking, I've got half a marathon to go. I can run half a marathon. I've run half a marathon in the past. I can do it. Docklands was really good fun. My friend Kate schlepped from East London to come and see me. And then my cousin Jude, who'd driven up from Cornwall as well. It was just brilliant. Not going to (laughs) lie. Miles 21 to 25. Oh, they were special. By this stage, I was thinking, this has been amazing, but I kind of think I want it to be over now. (laughs) People around me were walking, stopping, stretching. Some people were sitting down on curbs. My legs started to feel like they were operating completely independently from the rest of my body. And I thought, oh, man, here it is. Here's the wall. Oh, my God. But I kept going. I kept up my plod, plod, plod. 
you run through an underpass around mile 24 and a half and then suddenly <gasps> there you are on the embankment. Big Ben right in front of you, the London Eye to your left. And then there it is, the 25 mile marker. You've got just over a mile to go. So what did I do? In my excitement, I sped up (laughs) a bit too much, forgetting just how long a mile actually is. And when I rounded the corner to Birdcage Walk, there was a huge sign saying 600 metres to go. And all I could think was, oh, that's quite a long way. (laughs) And then the weirdest thing happened. I turned another corner and there it was, the finish line. And I know everyone's experience is going to be completely different But a voice I was not expecting to hear appeared in my head and it said, oh no, don't end, don't be over. How bonkers is that? But I did cross the line and then whoosh, all the emotions. I think I hugged about six people, whether they liked it or not. And yes, I cried, but I was almost too happy to cry. What a feeling. My gorgeous friend Chris in New York was tracking me and managed to capture the moment that I crossed the line on the live stream online. How cool is this? My favourite part, Lucy the dog getting very excited and barking. There she is! Go on, Sam! So, wow, I've run a marathon. Thank you so much if you donated to my fundraising page for Breast Cancer Now. There is just about still time to donate if you can spare a pound or two. I've put a link in the notes to this episode if you can. I'd so appreciate it. But every single pound and every single word of encouragement just meant and means so, so much. So really sending you a lot of love and very big thanks. I ran a bloody marathon. Who would have thought it, eh? Just shows. Do the things that scare you. They are always the best things to do. After a glorious day of recovery, I then jumped on a plane and slept pretty much all the way back to Phoenix. I actually (laughs) fell asleep whilst eating my dinner, my hands still on my knife and fork. And when I woke up four hours later, the absolutely amazing cabin crew on that American Airlines flight had saved my dinner for me and brought it back. They were just brilliant. I'd been home just minutes, blinking hazily through the jet lag when the 11-year-old got home from school and shouted, Guess what? When you were away, we found two scorpions in the kitchen. Two! One of them stung the dog! No place like home, eh? (laughs) I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 